Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? It's Friday! (laughs) (laughs) Yes, uh, day two of post-left elbow surgical repair, Dan Bongino. Yeah, man. For those of you on the YouTube channel, there you go. There's a look. Uh... I took the ace bandage off, so that that swollen doesn't look too bad. For those of you who want to watch on no. YouTube and listen on the audio, it's youtube.com slash Bongino. We have some important visuals today, too. So, um, yeah, doing uh, doing well, recovering pretty good. Listen, I've got some great stuff for you today, um, including why Manafort and the sentencing yesterday uh, or and the... Um, the fact that he only got 47 months when he could have gotten up to 24 years is so important. Man. And why Manafort was the key to this whole thing. This is a really important show. Um, so don't go anywhere. All right. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at Harry's. Harry's Razors. What do you got? Listen, Harry's. Uh, here's the great thing about Harry's. What, what, what do you need? In a, what is a razor supposed to do? It's supposed to shave you, right? Yeah. And shave you close and shave you clean. You don't want to think about a razor all the time. So the great no. part about Harry's, what I like about it is I use Harry's once a day. I don't have to shave like 15 times like I do with other razors that butcher your skin. Harry's gives you a clean, close shave. You're done for the day. I don't have to shave in the morning for the show and in the, and the night before the fox hits. Harry's is the cleanest, closest shave around. You're not going to find a better price. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's razors. Claim your trial offer today by going to harrys.com slash Bongino. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. You know, Joe, the space age razors with the gimmicky vibrating balls, flexi balls, (laughs) flexi handles, break like handles. They've like ski thing. You can ski with them. You can use them for (laughs) uh, jet propulsion in your flux capacitor. Just shave my face. Just shave close and clean. That's all we want. These tactics the leading brands have used to raise prices forever. They've Harry's fixed that by using a simple, clean design with quality, durable blades at a fair price. Harry's has a world-class braid factory in Germany. It's been making quality blades for over 95 years. They've received over 20,000 five-star reviews. Their replacement cartridges are just $2 each. That's half the price of the Gillette Fusion Pro Shield. All Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Get a $13 value trial set that comes with everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. A weighted ergonomic handle, five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. Listeners of my show can redeem their trial at harrys.com slash Bongino. Go to harrys.com slash Bongino. Redeem your offer. Let them know I sent you to help support the show. harrys.com slash Bongino. All right. Nice. Mm-hmm. So why was Manafort so important? So the breaking news yesterday, ladies and gentlemen, is Paul Manafort was sentenced by Judge T.S. Ellis uh, to a very light, given the severity of the charges. Joe, I think you guys can both agree. He could have uh, seen up to 20 years plus in prison. Yeah, uh, Manafort only got 47 months in jail. And T.S. Ellis, the judge, was dispositive on the fact that this has nothing. Listen, liberals, don't freak out. Nothing to do with collusion. Mm-hmm. These charges were related to his tax, uh, his tax paying habits, which obviously were not great. Uh, his work with the Ukrainians, it had nothing to do with collusion at all. But why was Manafort so important? Folks, this is going to be an important show. I know I say that often, but we're working on book two now. And I've been dealing with a source of mine who's very good. And another source of mine is really good. And a researcher I'm working on with book two. Of the Spygate thing. And I want you to keep in mind the big themes here because it gets lost in the wonky details of this case because it's a very complex case, the whole operation to spy on and take down the Trump team. One of the things that's important here, ladies and gentlemen, is it appears that this entire case was based on this dossier. And it now appears that Mueller's role, in addition to what Joe and I have been telling you for a long time, that Mueller's role is to keep the heat on Donald Trump and keep the heat away from the Obama administration malfeasance, Joe, right? We've been saying right. that forever. Yeah. yeah, It's starting to come together based on some of the research I've been doing, some of the sources I've been working with, that Mueller's role also is to vindicate the dossier. Now, you may say, how does this tie to the Manafort sentencing? Don't go anywhere. I'm super excited about this show. I've been putting this together all day, all night. The guy I was on the phone with yesterday knows what I'm talking about. I spent about two hours on the phone yesterday with two of my guys uh, working on this. Mueller's role. So think of it as twofold here. There's a, right. it, it's, he's got a two-prong attack. 
Okay. Number one, keep the heat again on Donald Trump. That's the prong we've been focusing on for a long time. If he keeps the heat on Donald Trump, um, investigating Cohen, his finances, referring cases out to the Southern District, the, the, you know, the Virginia District and the Department of Justice, and he continues to keep the heat on Trump, Joe, then the heat stays away, obviously, from the spying scandal the Obama administration was involved in. That we mm-hmm. already know. That's established. We'll move on. Mm-hmm. Prong number two, which, is, which has come to my attention in the last few months, um, and seems to be more and more salient and important every day, is Mueller's job appears to be now to vindicate the dossier. Why, Joe? Think this through. I need everybody to work with me on this. And All if right. you're not watching the show on YouTube, check it out. After you listen to the audio podcast, go to youtube.com slash Bongino, subscribe to our channel, and watch the video of this, because Paula's going to be putting up some key screenshots of dates. I want you to take a look at this. It'll make sense in the audio, too. Don't worry. But this is going to be important. Mueller's job is to vindicate the dossier Because, Joe, the dossier is all they had. Mm -hmm. The Department of Justice and the FBI, it's clear now, based their entire case spying on Trump on this dossier. And if Mueller can make the dossier appear at least semi-credible, he can then rescue the Department of Justice and the FBI that relied on this unverified dossier to spy on the Trump team. Armacost, please tell me that makes sense. Well, yeah, it makes sense. But please tell me how he's going to do this, Daddy-O. Yeah, I, I will. And, and I'm right. glad you said that. When you follow the dossier, the dossier, as I've told you repeatedly, is based on Glenn Simpson and Mary Jacoby. Glenn Simpson is the uh, one of the co-owners, co-founders of Fusion GPS. Right. Fusion GPS is this company that was hired by the Clintons to gin up this information on Donald Trump, this negative information. Glenn Simpson and, and Jacoby worked on a piece in 2007. I've been calling the movie script for the Wall Street Journal. If I remember, I'll put it in the show notes again today. It's a 2007, not 2017. This is going to be important, so don't lose mm-hmm. me here. This 2007 piece of the Wall Street Journal, and they talk about Russian influence in the United States in our political process. Simpson was writing for the Wall Street Journal at the time, and his wife, Mary Jacoby, co-authored this piece. Simpson already had this piece pre-prepared, folks. And who is the central antagonist in this piece? Paul Manafort. Paul Manafort is the Kaiser Sose of Glenn Simpson's life. Remember Kaiser Sose from The Usual Suspects? Mm. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was making everyone believe he didn't exist. Well, in this case, it was the opposite. The greatest trick Glenn Simpson ever pulled is making uh, everyone believe Paul Manafort is Kaiser Sose. (laughs) So Manafort's not a good guy, folks. I'm not here to defend Manafort. He made a lot of mistakes, which he pled guilty to. But I don't believe Manafort would have been targeted if Manafort was not a member of the Trump team. I don't believe Manafort would be in jail today for crimes if Manafort was not a member of the Trump team for 100 days. What I'm trying to explain to you is Mueller is here to vindicate the dossier. By vindicating this broken dossier and making it appear at least semi-credible, what does he do at the same time, Joe? He then rescues the Department of Justice and FBI who can then say later, okay, maybe a lot of the claims in the dossier, Joe, were debunked. Mm -hmm. But look, there was some meat to it. Because the central key player in the dossier is also the central key player in Glenn Simpson's 2007 Wall Street Journal piece. And that key player is Paul Manafort. (laughs) Is this all making sense now? Manafort is alleged in the dossier and in the 2007 piece to have been involved in an extensive operation by foreign governments to lobby the United States government um, in, in, in a kind of backhanded, um, uh, pernicious, malicious way. So Manafort is, is, is seen as this middleman evil genius. In the dossier, he's portrayed even worse as a criminal middleman um, who is involved in this conspiracy with Michael Cohen, Carter Page, and others um, mm-hmm. to get information from the Russians about Hillary Clinton and the DNC's emails to use it to influence the election. That's all false, folks. We know as of the sentencing yesterday with T.S. Ellis that this has been debunked. The collusion part is dead. That part, you understand where I'm going with this show? Yeah. Now that Manafort has been sentenced, we know what Mueller has. Right. The judge put it out there yesterday. Mueller has made no allegations whatsoever that the Manafort accusations in the dossier that he worked with the Russians to to get information on Hillary to influence the election. None of that is true. Mm-hmm. We now know he's been sentenced. It would have come out yesterday in the sentencing. And T.S. Ellis was clear, the judge, this has nothing to do with collusion. So you may be saying, Dan, this doesn't make sense. You're saying two different things. 
You're saying Mueller's role is to vindicate the dossier. You're also saying Manafort appears in the dossier as a central figure in a collusion scheme that the judge just said didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Yes, but think about it. If Mueller puts away and locks up Manafort for a long time on these other uh, crimes, these foreign influence operations, these FARA violations, these tax violations, at least Mueller can come back later and say, okay, Joe, the dossier may have been fake, but the players in it were really, really bad guys. So, oh, my bad. So sad. In other words, use an analogy quick. Think this through. Mm -hmm. And as the audience on Budsman Joe, stop me if it doesn't make sense. All right. I'm targeting Joe as a political opponent. I put together a fake dossier alleging Joe robbed a bank. Mm -hmm. The bank robbery allegations against Joe, I put it together, are money against Joe for Congress. I paid someone to do it. Those allegations are entirely false. But we sick someone later on Joe to investigate Joe, and we find out Joe has been jaywalking for the last 15 years. Joe's a prolific jaywalker. And Joe then gets arrested and prosecuted for jaywalking. Mm-hmm. Now, when it comes out that the dossier about Joe robbing the bank was completely false, in order to vindicate the local sheriff who say investigated Joe, we can say, well, Joe didn't really rob a bank, but Joe was a really prolific jaywalker. So all in all, our heads and hearts were in the right place. Uh, you tracking me, yeah, Armacost? Yeah, I'm tracking you. Yeah, I don't like you. Yeah. Now, I, I, you don't like this one bit. I know you no, don't. Now, this book sucks. two, uh, I can't tease this enough because it's going to be epic is going to follow a very specific timeline. You're going to see what Manafort is doing, and I want to hat tip one of my guys on this. Manafort appears to be slowly tracking the dossier to lock up and pinch uh, arrest, use buff talk, police talk, police talk, to lock up the people in the dossier to say exactly that. Okay, the dossier may have been false, but these were really bad guys, so the FBI all in all did the right thing. Now, why was Manafort so important, though? Manafort is so important because Manafort's the key player in the dossier. Manafort's also the key player in Glenn Simpson's 2007 Wall Street Journal piece, the movie script that the Clintons bought. Now, I wanted to point out to you, we've discussed this before, but in light of what happened yesterday with the Manafort sentencing, it's important to bring this up again. There is this key date in July. I should say key week. It's right around the third and fourth week of July of 2017. This is the day we're going to call them the Civil War breaks out. I don't mean that in a, in a, in a, in a, in a violent way. I mean mm-hmm. that in a Civil War breaks out within the White House and in the Department of Justice, given that they're all under the executive branch. That's the day that something happens. July 27, 2017, that week of, the, the week of July 27th, Mueller gets word from the inspector general, Michael Horowitz, who's looking into this case, who's looking into all the FBI malfeasance and the spying operation on Trump, Mm -hmm. the Hillary Clinton email investigation, the essentially the internal affairs guy. Michael Horowitz gives word to the Mueller team that they have a series of texts that they've gotten their hands on from lead investigator uh, Peter Stroke and his love interest, Lisa Page, an FBI lawyer. Those series of texts which describe all of the malfeasance and the operation that went on to spy on Trump are devastating. Mueller gets wind of this right around the third week of July. Ladies and gentlemen, those texts are devastating because what do they lay out? They lay out the operation to use an information-on-demand process. A um, As one of my co-researchers on the book here, uh, working with me on book two says, quotes on demand. (laughs) Um, He was talking to me about how in the media, sometimes they have these people quote machines. They know they can go to Joe to get a quote Uh, any given Uh time. Peter Stroke's text to Lisa Page, which Mueller's now aware of it by the third and fourth week of July of 2017, he gets wind they're out there, likely lay out the operation to reverse engineer a crime against the Trump team. What I think they were doing, Joe, we've described it as the information superhighway in the past, right? is they don't have a crime against Donald Trump. They have to constantly go out and cast a fishing pole for new information to put into the FISA court because they don't have legitimate information. So they have to basically go to quote machines who will produce for them the quotes they need, Joe, that'll stand up in court. Mm -hmm. Who's the perfect quote machine? Christopher Steele. Why? Because Christopher Steele has credibility with the FBI. 
Christopher Steele has worked with the FBI in the past as an informant on the on the soccer corruption case, the FIFA case. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, now does it make sense why Glenn Simpson at Fusion GPS hires Christopher Steele? Simpson is the one, I believe, Simpson and his operation are using Steele as a front for this information that Simpson and his team are producing. Ladies and gentlemen, the dossier information that's been rubber stamped by Christopher Steele, I don't believe is all Steele's information. Now, what am I basing this on? I'm basing this on Simpson's wife, Mary Jacoby, makes a Facebook post after this all becomes public. Lee Smith's written about this in Tablet Mag. And she says very specifically, follow me here, mm-hmm. that this was Chris's information, that Chris hired, uh, uh, excuse me, Glenn's information. Glenn yeah. hired Christopher Steele. Glenn did this. Right. Why? Because Glenn Simpson's wife, Mary Jacoby, in a Facebook post, it's now deleted, thinks this information is real. And she wants her husband to get the credit for taking down Donald Trump, not realizing later on that this information is going to be entirely debunked and crap. I'm talking about the dossier. They've already outed themselves. Mm-hmm. They use Steele as a rubber stamp because Steele already has worked with the FBI. Folks, this is critically important you understand this. I believe this is what the text between Peter Stroke and Lisa Page indicate and some of the texts we haven't seen. Remember, there are still thousands of missing texts we haven't seen in the public yet. I believe they lay out an operation by the FBI and the Department of Justice to create an information laundering operation to say, hey, we need to lock up Joe for a bank robbery. Will mm-hmm. someone say Joe robbed the bank? Christopher Steele will say it. Oh, great. Steele's worked with us before. He'll be credible in front of a judge. All Joe, right. please tell me this makes sense. All are, right. you, are you picking up what I'm putting yes, down? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. There's an information laundering operation that Bob Mueller becomes aware of on July 27th of 2016, right around that week. He's likely reading these texts. He's probably informed by Horowitz. Listen, we've got a problem. This criminal case, counterintelligence case against Donald Trump was not based on real information. It was based on a quote machine that this guy Simpson, who already wrote this movie script in 2007, went to his buddy Christopher Steele because he'd work with the FBI. They basically fabricated this entire case against Trump. And look, now there's a track record of this in the text that they were very suspicious. Something's going on here. And they ran with the case anyway. Mueller panics. Mueller panics because he realizes the central figure in that dossier, Paul Manafort, that that dossier, Joe, is fake. It's a hoax. Now, Mueller's job is to rescue the reputation of the DOJ. He can't have the Department of Justice and FBI publicly ruined because they relied on a hoax document from a quote machine, uh, uh, Christopher Steele, who mm-hmm. relayed his information to Simpson. Or Simpson, actually, I, I believe, rubber stamped it himself. It was Simpson's information. He just used Steele's name because Steele had been a source before. They can't have that out in the public. They have to make this dossier appear semi-credible. All right. Folks, what happens the morning of July 26, 2017? Again, I believe Mueller got wind of this right around the third week of July about these texts. Manafort's house gets raided July 26, 2017. Paul has been kind enough to put some screenshots from some stories in case you doubt me. July 26, 2017, Manafort's house gets hit early in the morning. Manafort is the key player. Ladies and gentlemen, you can't have the usual suspects without Kaiser Sose. There's no movie. The movie would be a joke. There'd be no movie. There's no script. Manafort is the key figure in Glenn Simpson's life. He's been investigating him from 2007 on. Manafort is the key player in the dossier. Follow me. Mueller now knows he gets the text that the dossier is garbage, that it's fabricated information on demand used to investigate the Trump team when they had to go to a quote machine. It's not based on real information. It's a hoax. In order to rescue the hoax, Manafort desperately get up. Uh, Mueller desperately hits the house on a search warrant of Manafort, desperate to uncover what, Joe? <laughs> Evidence of collusion with the Russians. Because the evidence of collusion in the dossier is a hoax. What happens, Joe? Nothing happens. No evidence of collusion with Manafort and the Russians ever turns up. How do we know this? 
because Manafort was sentenced yesterday and the judge was crystal clear. There is no evidence of Russian collusion. What else do you need to hear? Now, what happens August 2nd, just days after the July 26th early morning raid of Manafort's house? Because now they realize the dossier's junk because Mueller's seen the texts. August 2nd, Rod Rosenstein, the signer of the fourth FISA warrant, when they knew all this was junk, signs a revised scope memo, Joe. Mm. In other words, expanding Bob Mueller's investigatory powers as the special counsel to do other things outside of just investigating Russian collusion. Joe, why would he do that? Because they didn't find any evidence of Russian collusion, entirely debunking the dossier in the July 26, 2017 raid on Manafort's house. Manafort's the key player in the dossier. Mueller's desperate to rescue the dossier because he can't have the public believe the FBI and DOJ investigated a hoax document. He needs to make it true. So what does he do? He goes back to Rosenstein, Mueller, after the July 26, 2017 raid. And he says, hey, Houston, we got a problem, Daddy-O. We got a big problem. What's that problem? We raided this guy's house. We tossed everything. There is nothing. We have nothing. All we have here is evidence of his um, illicit dealings with Ukrainians. Some payments and maybe some tax evasion. What happens then, Joe? Just a couple days later, Rosenstein magically produces a new scope memo to Bob Mueller. And in the unredacted portions of that memo, because uh, most of it's redacted. Why do, I, why do I think it's redacted? Because this has, been a very, uh, this has been a big, big thing with Devin Nunes and others. I believe it's redacted because it reiterates the charges in the dossier again. Oh, Now, we don't know that yet. We'll see when it comes out. That's my suspicion. But there is an unredacted portion of that expanded scope memo just days after the Manafort raid. And what does it say, Joe? It says, and then you can investigate Paul Manafort's ties to Ukrainian politicians and some payments he made. I thought this was about Russia. Do you understand how Rosenstein, too, panicked? They needed to, Manafort had to go down, Joe, because Mm -hmm. if option one, Arresting Manafort and prosecuting him for Russian collusion, as it states in the dossier, was no longer a possibility, which it wasn't. Right. Why, Joe? Because there was no evidence. Right, no evidence. Right. If option one wasn't available to them anymore, then they were going to revise Mueller's powers and give him option two, which is hell, just go arrest Manafort anyway. We'll prosecute him for something. And then our backup story will be later on will be what? Well, Manafort was a really bad guy, Joe, anyway. So even though the dossier was fake, look, the FBI and DOJ are ultimately really good people. What else happens right around July 27th? Well, conveniently that night, who else is arrested at the airport? Dulles. July 20th, just the day after the Manafort raid. Oh, Georgie Papa D. Our buddy Papa D. Papa D is the key. George Papadopoulos is arrested at the airport in Dulles in a quickie arrest late at night, which I've told you repeatedly, being a former federal agent myself, is highly unusual in non-emergency cases. Mueller's team panics again. They know they've been trying to get Papadopoulos to flip repeatedly to get Papadopoulos to flip on the Trump team. Papadopoulos won't do it. Papadopoulos was set up, I believe. I believe either Miss Sud or the Russian woman he's introduced to as Putin's niece is an intel asset working for friendlies, trying to set up Papadopoulos as a key player in this alleged exchange of negative information on the Democrats to the Trump team. Papadopoulos was set up. Papadopoulos is repeatedly set up. Why would Papadopoulos be the subject of a quickie arrest at an airport late at night after the texts from the lead investigator in the case are exposed? Well, you should ask yourself, ladies and gentlemen, what's in those texts? Are those texts between Stroke and Page a description of their efforts to set up Papadopoulos and how Papadopoulos won't play ball? Does Mueller now know this? Does Mueller now need to rescue the reputation of the FBI as well because they tried to set up George Papadopoulos and therefore they go and pinch him at the airport in Dulles to shut him up? Now, remember... Before Papadopoulos comes back into the country, he's given $10,000 by a guy named Charles Tawil. 10000 plus one is the amount of money you have to report headed back to the United States subject to civil or criminal penalties. Papadopoulos doesn't bring the money back. The FBI, I believe, is looking for that money. They don't find it. 
They lock up Papadopoulos anyway for some false statements he made to the FBI about his contacts with Mifsud and the date of it. Why do I believe this happened? Keep the lead in mind. Don't lose the headline. Mueller finds out this entire thing is a scam. The inspector general shows him the text they have from the investigators in this case on Trump. The investigators know the dossier is garbage. They know the case has fallen apart. Let me quote Peter Stroke. There's no there there. They know there's nothing there. They now have to rescue a dossier they know is a hoax. They know the information's a hoax, but they know the players may be bad guys. They go, they hit the house because they panic. Mueller hits the house, finds no evidence of Russian collusion. He then gets Rosenstein to revise the scope memo to include this charge about dealing with Ukrainians, which has nothing to do with Russian collusion at all, in an effort to do what, Joe? Shut Manafort mm-hmm. up and make Manafort look like a bad guy to rescue the reputation of the FBI. They have to shut Papa D down, too. They nab him at the airport. They lock him up, too. What else happens right around this July 27th date? Ladies and gentlemen, I can't emphasize it to you enough. This is going to be a key subject of our second book. We have the House GOP calling for a special counsel, a second special counsel to investigate Loretta Lynch, Jim Comey, and Hillary Clinton. Right around the same date, all of this is going down. This is the day, again, the Civil War completely breaks out. The House GOP gets wind of these texts as well. The people who read these texts are likely horrified on the House Republican side, the investigators. They now fully understand that this operation, this information superhighway, this information laundering operation, quote on demand, quote machine, Christopher Steele, Glenn Simpson, farce, used to prosecute the Trump team is very real. They also understand the FBI knows it's a hoax, that it's one big hoax they've been investigating. The House GOP conveniently on that exact same day calls for a second special counsel. What else happens on that July 27th date? I'm throwing poor producer Paula for a loop here. This will be Baker, Paula, just so you know. (laughs) Because I'm all over the place. She says, will you stick to the script? I can't. Sorry if I'm I'm, I'm twinging. Every time I move my elbow, it hurts a little bit. But I'm okay. (laughs) Can you see my face? I'm like... Uh, Every time. Yeah. Every time I move my elbow, it it hurts a little bit. What else happens July 27th? James Baker. One of the lead lawyers for the FBI. Known Jim Comey buddy. A leak. A leak goes to Circa.com. That Circa.com piece on July 27th, 2017. As Paul has been kind enough to put up on our YouTube channel indicates that James Baker, one of the lead FBI lawyers involved in this case from the beginning, Joe, is under a criminal investigation for leaks, leaks to the media. Folks, I believe, let's call them allies of the administration and uh, warriors for the cause here who understood how bad this case was, leaked that information on that day in the good guys first opening salvo in their fight back against this dossier and this hoax case against Donald Trump. You see where I'm going with this, Joe? Yeah. The administration or friendlies. I don't know who mm-hmm. did this. I have no inside information on them. I'm, 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 I'm speculating. It, obviously, my speculation is fair. I mean, obviously, friendlies leaked this story. Somebody gets wind of these devastating texts, how this was all a hoax the entire time. Mm-hmm. How some of this information was probably leaked to the media. Someone leaks to Circa that the FBI was involved in this leak operation to damage the Trump team. This is their first opening effort to fight back. And I believe it's done on this day because they realize now finally they're in the right. Somebody looks at these texts, Joe, on the pro-Trump team and realize that all the speculation is right. All the speculation about this attack on Trump based on false information has been right from the start that this is no longer a guess. All right, don't go anywhere. I got um, I got more to get to on this. This is important. This is yesterday was a key day with Manafort. The T.S. Ellis putting to sleep finally about the idea that Paul Manafort was involved in any Russian collusion opens up a Pandora's box for the left that they're not going to be able to shut easily. All right, today's show also brought to you by our buddies at iTarget. 
Uh, the iTarget Pro system, in my opinion, is the best system out there for increasing your proficiency with a firearm. If you're going to own a firearm, two things matter more than anything else. First is safety. That's obvious. These are uh, dangerous weapons that, if used improperly, um, can cause harm and death. That's that's clear. Uh, gun owner safety, but proficiency. If you're ever in a situation where you have to use your firearm, God forbid, you better be proficient with it. Now, proficiency, there's a lot of ways to increase your proficiency with a firearm. One way is to go to a range. Obviously, go to the firearm range. Uh, but, you know, any range can get expensive. You have to buy the rounds. You have to travel there. Sometimes the range is a little bit far. It's a great idea. You should go to the range. But if you can't and you don't have the time and you know you can't get there as often as you'd like to, which I can, you can do what I do. You can use the iTarget Pro system. That's the letter I. The website is itargetpro.com. That's the letter I, targetpro.com, itargetpro.com. And they will send you a laser round. Here's how it works, folks. It's the coolest system. You will never put this down. You put this laser round, they will send you for the firearm you have now. You have a 9mm, they'll send you a 9mm round. You don't have to make any modifications to the firearm, the pistol, the revolver you have now, nothing. You just drop it in a safely unloaded weapon into that chamber, and it'll emit a laser round, a laser, not a laser round, it'll emit a laser onto a target they send you. You can practice uh, the safety and security of your own home. Of course, you you always uh, make sure it's unloaded, check it, check it twice, check it three times. Uh, you point that in a safe direction, and you can practice with the target they have there. It makes almost a uh, like a video game, like to, uh, out of your uh, video game tool, out of the firearm you have now, where you can practice your proficiency with it over and over. You will see your proficiency will go through the roof. You'll be you'll you'll go from basketball like groups to tennis ball like groups within a week. People send me pictures of their targets all the time. It works in conjunction with the phone app. It is the finest system out there. Competitive shooters drive fire. 10 times more than they live fire. Dry firing is doing exactly that. Shooting, uh, firing with a, uh, depressing the trigger, excuse me, with inert rounds or no round at all. You can practice your trigger pull, your grip, your sight alignment. Go check it out. Itargetpro.com. Use promo code Dan. You'll get a nice 10% discount. That's itargetpro.com. Promo code Dan for a 10% discount. I promise you will not put this system down. I love it. My father loves it. My co-author on the first book, her husband loves it. It is a really great system. You will see your proficiency go through the roof right away. itargetpro.com, promo code Dan for 10% off. Okay. All right, I want to wrap this up and just kind of sum up where we were before I move on. Folks, Ellis put this thing to bed yesterday. The whole dossier, the, was the central figure, the antagonist, the, the Kaiser Sose of the dossier was Manafort. If Manafort wasn't involved in Russian collusion, then nobody was, Joe. Sorry, I've been way about Nobody was. The mm-hmm. dossier is clearly now a hoax. It's a fake. You all got worked. You got owned. You got destroyed if you believed in this thing. Ellis put this thing to bed. Manafort is a key part, though, of Mueller's investigation. Why? If Mueller was if Manafort wasn't involved in Russian collusion, what is Mueller doing? Mueller is rescuing the dossier. Not the facts in it, because there are no facts in it. He's trying to do this. He's trying to say, even though it was fake, these were bad guys. And look, I arrested them. Therefore, the FBI's heart was in the right place. What's been exposed in all of this is a massive information laundering operation. I will put an article up from Judicial Watch that is devastating today that proves to you what we've been talking about for now a year and a half is true. They were, this was a quote machine operation. I need to prove Joe committed a bank robbery. Did he? No, but don't worry. I'll call a guy up and he'll just say Joe committed a bank robbery. Who was the information superhighway? Christopher Steele. Uh, They used his name. I don't believe Steele started or initiated this information. I think a lot of this information was Simpsons and other people working with Simpson. They just had Steele stamp it because Steele worked with the FBI. The Judicial Watch uh, article I'm going to put in there has an email exchange between Bruce Orr and Christopher Steele, where even after Steele's fired by the FBI for talking to the media, remember Baker, how mm. the media was used, Joe, to get these stories out there mm-hmm. to make it seem like Trump was a really bad guy, even though it was all made up, right? Bruce Orr is meeting with Steele even after he's fired. The information superhighway into the FISA court is clear. It goes like this. Steele's name is used. Simpson gets the info. It's passed on to Bruce Orr, the DOJ, with his wife, Nellie, who's working for Fusion GPS. Orr then passes it to Joe Pianca at the FBI. And the FBI then uses the information 
to walk into the FISA court to spy on the Trump team. The problem is the information is all BS. Ladies and gentlemen, look at the emails and the judicial watch thing. They are devastating. Now, people are emailing me over and over. Now with Manafort, now that the Manafort case, the collusion thing is done, the judge has said it's done, it's over. Manafort's locked up anyway. A lot of people are saying to me, are there, is there going to be any justice for the players involved in this who, who were involved in this scheme against Donald Trump? And the answer is one big fat, yes, I believe that. The three-letter agency people are in a world of trouble. I believe Jim Baker's in trouble, Andy McCabe is in trouble, Jim Comey is in trouble, and the Department of Justice players are in trouble. How do I know that? Let me read to you from Lindsey Graham. Washington Examiner piece in the show notes today at Bongino.com. Please subscribe to my email list. I'll email you these articles every day. You'll be read in on the program very early. Lindsey Graham, not great on immigration, but it's been great on judges and has been really good on this FISA stuff. Article in the Washington Examiner, Joe. When Lindsey Graham sent out a letter to the Department of Justice. He's demanding nine points. He wants nine pieces of information. Here's the most critical one. The committee is concerned that the Woods procedures and a full presentment of material and relevant facts may not have occurred with regard to the applications for FISA warrants. Four, and the opening of the underlying investigations on Carter Page and other individuals associated with the presidential campaign, Graham wrote. Enacted in 2001, the Woods procedures were intended to protect U.S. citizens from improper surveillance by the government, seeking to, quote, ensure accuracy with regards to the facts supporting probable cause. Darn, is this bad for them. There you go. Joe, how long have we been talking about oh, the Woods procedure? Forever, You're like brother. a year and a half yeah. ahead of the... Seriously, I'm not even yeah. making about a year and a half ahead yeah. of the news cycle. That's right. The Woods procedure is a documented is. administrative procedure people have to follow to bring information to the FISA court to make sure the information's legitimate. If a FISA warrant on Carter Page that was based on a dossier where Manafort's a key bad guy in it is debunked entirely. Now we know it's garbage. The judge has already said it. We know, Joe, that the Woods procedure to verify the dossier wasn't followed because it couldn't have been followed because the information's not true. How about that? How about that? How are you going to verify that 5 plus 5 equals 11? It doesn't. The information is not true. Michael Cohen has never been to Prague. Carter Page has never met Paul Manafort. This is in the dossier. The dossier is garbage. Carter Page has never met the two Russians that he claims in the dossier are supposed to be some kind of business surrogates for Russian intel. He's never met them. The dossier is a hoax. This stuff is a fake. What am I telling you? I'm telling you that Baker, Comey, John Carlin, Sally Yates, Andy McCabe, Peter Stroke, these people involved who signed off at multiple stages of this Woods procedure that this stuff was legitimate, signed their names falsely to documents saying this stuff was true. The Woods file, which Lindsey Graham wants, is going to be absolutely devastating. Devastating. Because it has Joe Armacost's signature on something that's not true. Joe signed something that's not true. I've been telling you this from the start. This is where the three-letter agency people are going to be screwed big time. This is why Lindsey Graham wants the Woods file. He wants to see who signed off on what, when they did it, and why. Because the dossier is fake. The judge yesterday in a Manafort sentence basically said the whole thing is fake. Mueller's job is to rescue the DOJ and FBI. They signed off on a fake hoax, ladies and gentlemen. When is the media going to pick up this story? It is the biggest scandal of our generation. They investigated a hoax. It's a fake document that they all signed off on. Mueller's the cleanup artist. Mueller's the cleanup guy. Mueller's old chief of staff, John Carlin, was the Department of Justice National Security Division head who was one of the final guys to sign the Woods file. That was Mueller's buddy. Mueller's the perfect guy to clean this up. I can tell you what's going to happen. You heard it here first. All right. This Woods file is going to go public. 
You're going to see everybody who signed off on this fake dossier that was used in the FISA package on this hoax. And what's going to happen is Mueller's going to have locked up Manafort, Papadopoulos, which he did. All uh, Papadopoulos isn't really mentioned in the dossier. But you're going to see what well, let's see what happens with Carter Page, too. Mm-hmm. You're going to see him say later on, OK, these guys signed off on it. My buddy Carlin, all these other people I knew at the FBI. But again, in the end, they were all really bad guys. And look, I proved it. I locked them up. That's why that scope memo on August 2nd, such a big deal, too. Does Rod Rosenstein, is that what's redacted? Did he throw the dossier information, the hoax, again in a revised scope memo on August 2nd, 2017, after there's no question this stuff is a hoax anymore? In a desperate last-ditch effort to try to rescue this thing? Big trouble, folks. Hmm. Big, big trouble ahead. All right, I got more to get to today. Uh, Today's show finally brought to you by our buddies at My Patriot Supply. Here's the reality. Emergencies usually strike without warning. That's why they're emergencies. We're surprised when the power goes out. Hurricane like Hurricanes like Michael uh, hit with very little warning. Certainly with earthquakes, there's zero warning. Things happen when you just don't expect them. And when it's breaking news, it's already too late to prepare. Now you're in a panic scramble. The best thing to do is prepare for emergency situations while things are calm. Do what I do. I have boxes of this stuff, my Patriot Supply. Ask yourself, could you feed yourself or your family for two weeks with the food you have at home this very moment? If not, it's time to act. Secure an emergency food supply today. I trust and use my Patriot Supply, and you should too. Folks, we ensure everything in our lives that matter. Uh, really, you ensure your health, you ensure your teeth, you have, people have eyeglass coverage, car insurance, home insurance. Coverage. How can you not have insurance for your food supply? It's crazy. Go get a two-week uh, food kit now from my Patriot Supply. This week, it's at a special price of only $75 when you go to my special site, preparewithdan.com. That's preparewithdan.com, preparewithdan.com. These food kits include meals that last up to 25 years in storage. They ship discreetly to your door as well. Order now and prepare yourself so there'll be no surprises even when disaster strikes. Go to preparewithdan.com. That's preparewithdan.com. Check out my Patriot Supply. There's some really great products at their website too. Preparewithdan.com. Okay. Um, All right. So moving on. I, I know I spent a lot of time on that, folks, but it's really important that you understand that. Mueller's job right now is to rescue this dossier, however possible. And the only way he can do it now, given that the key facts in it are debunked, are to arrest the players in it. So that's the takeaway for the day. And now the collusion's been put to bed. These guys are in a world of trouble. Folks, I know being patient is tough. Um, and I'm not telling you, I'm not pretending to be have a crystal ball into the future, you know, like the Stygian witches from the Clash of the Titans or mm-hmm. anything. But I am absolutely convinced that people from the Bureau who are involved in this, the FBI, are going to go down. Um, I have absolutely no doubt. None. Um, some good news. So a good legal insurrection piece. A uh, great one I saw this morning. Uh, real short and sweet in the show notes today. But it talks about one of Trump's more longer lasting effects he's going to have on the country. You know, uh, we've had some, uh, I think that the Trump presidency, I think we can all agree if we look at it with open eyes, has been very conservative uh, been very good for the country so far. We've yeah. seen solid economic growth, regulatory reform. Um, he's now engaged in a full-fledged fight against Planned Parenthood. Uh, he's been great with us on social issues. We had the executive order about free speech on campus. Uh, we can go on and on, but the, the reality of a presidency is when a president's gone, um, some of his legacy sticks around and some doesn't. Even Barack Obama himself, who thought he had a long-term legacy with Obamacare, is seeing a lot of that dismantled by Donald Trump as he slowly dismantles this piece of garbage, the individual mandate in Obamacare, notably first. Um, so your presidency doesn't last forever. But one of the ways you can have an effect on the country long after you leave office, Joe, is via the federal bench. Mm. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Donald Trump has been absolutely um, stellar on the federal bench, stellar on making appointments to the federal bench. Legal insurrection this morning. Uh, they t- uh, Carrie Severino, the Judicial Crisis Network, uh, they uh, they have this point in legal insurrection. Uh, I guess I can read it right off the screen right there. Uh, that they, uh, they have now appointed a bunch of these judges onto the federal bench. Uh, he's got 31 circuit judges he's appointed, 53 district judges, and two Supreme Court judges. The folks, this is uh, Donald Trump is going to have appointed one-sixth of the entire federal bench by the time he leaves office. And now McConnell is starting to move really fast. But you may say, okay, Dan, you've addressed this before. What's the key news on this? Folks, not only is Donald Trump appointed 31 circuit judges, 53 district judges, and two Supreme Court justice, justices, they're young. Oh, Meaning these judges yeah. are going to be around for a very, 
very long time. <laughs> they are going to outlast the Trump administration and they will likely leave his if, if Donald Trump is elected to two terms, there's a distinct possibility that up to a fifth or even a fourth of the federal bench may be appointed by Donald Trump. And these judges may serve at the uh, at, at, at the district, the circuit, uh, the appellate at uh, the Supreme Court level for for 20, 30, uh, maybe even you know 40 years in some cases, uh, Joe. And why does this matter? This matters because, remember, the appellate level, the appeals courts are where most of these cases go to die. Ladies and gentlemen, the Supreme Court ultimately only decides a very small percentage of, 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 of controversial issues within the United States. We, it's great to have the Supreme Court. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to downplay it. But the reality is the Supreme Court takes only a small percentage of the cases every year. Most of these cases are decided at the appellate level. So the fact that Donald Trump is remaking the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, the 99th, and other circuits around the country, these are going to have long-lasting effects on the country that will long, long outlast the Trump presidency. And this is the argument, ultimately, I use against the deranged never-Trumpers, who I just don't understand. I just don't get how they haven't moved on. You know, you had a Glenn Beck was on Hannity last night, and Beck was not a, obviously a big fan of... Uh, of uh, Donald Trump, and even Beck had to come around and admit that he was wrong, that mm. Donald Trump is governed as a largely conservative president of the United States, and his effect on the federal judiciary and things are going to be long-lasting. You can disagree with the man's uh, you know, Twitter habits, whatever, but you cannot disagree with the fact that his, his effect on the country's judicial path in the future is going to be a profound one. Now, one last point on this before I move on. Folks, it's critical you understand this as well, because the left engaged in a judicial activism strategy a long time ago. Joey, we yes. kind of addressed this a little bit, but yes, it's worth yes, hitting yes. now. Yes, it is. The liberals, the John F. Kennedy Democrats are, are gone. They're now moderate Republicans. There are no longer a, a there's no longer a viable branch of the Democrat Party uh, that that bays itself in moderation. It's over. Uh, we see that in the primary where we've seen ridiculous proposals like government controlled health care, open borders, infanticide. The Democrat Party has gone off the deep end. Yeah. It's the only way to win a primary now. Now, what's important about this is the Democrats know that there is no popular support for these programs. Ladies and gentlemen, a Democrat's 2020 platform of infanticide, 90% tax rates, government-controlled health care. I mean, the list goes on and on. Open borders, the abolishing of ICE. The Democrats are not stupid. They realize this has no popular support whatsoever. Maybe, at best, you'll get 20 to 25% of the population that will support these utter absurdities, okay? So a long time ago, they engaged in a strategy of what we can't win at the popular level by a popular vote. What we'll do is we'll do judicial activism and we'll push push these cases through the courts. Think about it. Things like Mm -hmm. transgender bathrooms. um, They've they've all of this stuff. They've worked their ways through the courts. The logic there is sound when you think about it. It's tactically efficient for them. You have to understand what the other side is doing. If they can't convince more than 25% of the population that infanticide, 90% tax rates, socialism, and open borders are the right thing, then Joe, take it to the courts. Mm -hmm. And in the courts, all you have to do is convince one person, and that's a judge. And that's why I cannot emphasize enough the importance of Donald Trump remaking the federal bench, because that avenue, ladies and gentlemen, to them is going to be entirely and completely closed off. They are not going to have that avenue. If the only avenue to institute policy changes in the in the direction of socialism, infanticide, 70% tax rates, is to get bills passed, you know you can't get passed because you only have 25% of the population, probably less, I'm being generous, mm-hmm. that would vote for this garbage, Joe. And your other option is to sue and get it pushed through through the courts. When that's closed off, you will have to make a case to the public, a case they can't possibly make. That is why this is so devastating, and the legal insurrection piece covers this quite well. I think it's really good, and it's definitely worth your time, so please check it out. Um, Okay, Uh, last story of the day. The job market seems to have slowed down a little bit. The February job numbers were just announced this morning, right before we came on the air. Mm. Uh, They were expecting 180,000 jobs. Uh, They only got 20,000. That's obviously a big drop. The futures uh, markets were down right before we started recording as well. I expect the stock market to take a little bit of a dip. Uh, folks, I don't want you to panic. Um, don't don't worry too much about these job numbers right now. Uh, we are at the the tail end of a very long economic recovery. And the reality is, at the end, a lot of the unemployment becomes frictional. 
Um, we have you know record numbers of people entering back into the workforce. We have really low unemployment. Labor force labor force participation um, is 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 starting to tick up, uh, which is good. But what winds up happening at the end is you get a bunch of frictional unemployment. Frictional unemployment is when people basically leave a job for a couple of weeks or something, and and they have another job lined up. So it's not that they're unemployed. There's just that latent period of unemployment before they pick up that other job. You're going to see a lot of this at the tail end. Um, a lot of these jobs are getting filled. Uh, I don't mean to sugarcoat it. Twenty thousand is not a great number. You'd like to see heavy job, uh, you know, heavy job creation. But think about it. There's a lot of runway left in this economy. In fact, I told you yesterday, if you listen to yesterday's show, that investment in the United States on the uh, equipment side and on the structure side, Joe, was up five and seven percent. Mm-hmm. That investment in factories, that investment in new uh, in new machinery, that investment in real estate, new buildings is going to pick up. It's going to lead to the production of new products, cheaper products, which are going to make workers more valuable. So I would not panic about this. We may see a little dip in the job numbers in the first few months of this year, but I think in the long run, in the long run, I think we're on a pretty solid trajectory for a really strong economy in the future. I wouldn't worry too much about it. Um, Sorry, I had a little bit of a twinge there in my elbow. I'm sorry I neglected this, but one last thing today before we roll. The Mueller report uh, may come out today, may come out uh, uh, later. I'm expecting a document dump probably at about 4.30 p.m. Uh, We'll we'll address that on Monday if it does. But keep in mind expectations about what, uh, just to tie back how we opened up the show. When you understand what Mueller's doing, when you read or you see, we'll see, it may be fully redacted. We may not be able to get much of it at all. But if we do see some of it, Keep in mind Mueller's motives, and the report will make a lot of sense. Mueller's job right now is to rescue the dossier and keep the heat on Trump. Read the report. If it does come out, and we can read it, we'll see. Read the report and read the dossier next to it. You can get it online. You can get it anywhere. Read the key charges in the dossier and read how Mueller writes the report. And I can almost guarantee you Mueller's report is going to echo some of the charges in the dossier without ever proving any of them are true. And I believe he's going to do that in an effort again to make it appear that the FBI was not taken by this hoax, that this document had some semi-legitimate legitimate information. And that's why like, oh, well, you know, we just, sorry, they were really bad guys anyway. You see where I'm going with that, Joe? Yeah, man. Re- read the report and read the dossier at the same time. And you'll see, and one of the yeah. one of my um one of my sources in this case, just to give you an example. Did you notice how in the Roger Stone indictment, although Roger Stone's indictment had nothing to do with WikiLeaks, it was all about false statements. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how the WikiLeaks stuff is emphasized in the indictment. Yeah, in the exact same way it's emphasized in the dossier, even though the WikiLeaks stuff, there were there were no charges about the WikiLeaks stuff. Oh, good. There were no collusion charges. Good one. Yeah, yeah, it was written, yeah. in other words, to say like, oh, look, well, yeah. there's at least something in this dossier. Which truly, that's what Mueller does. So if the report comes out today, pay attention to that little trick. It's the Mueller trick. That's what yeah. he's been doing. That's why I'll never believe this guy um, is, a, is a good guy or a white hat at all. Um, all right, folks, thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. It was another great week of shows. If I may humbly and requestfully ask if you wouldn't mind subscribing to the show. You have your podcast app. It's on every iPhone. If you have it, you can't get rid of it. It says podcast, a little purple thing. If you click that, look up the Dan Bongino Show. If you subscribe, you'll help move us to the, move us to the top of the charts. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything. Um, also, if you wouldn't mind following us, if you have an Android phone on iHeartRadio or SoundCloud, it is the subscriptions that help us move to the top of the charts. It really matters a lot to us. We don't have a huge advertising budget, so it's, uh, it's all organic. We appreciate all your help. Thanks again, folks, for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Thanks for bearing with me this week through this surgical thing, too. I, uh, I, I, I tried to give you the best content possible. All right, I'll see you all on Monday. Thanks again. Good day, sir. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud and follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.